Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. I'm Chad Dotson. I'm your host for this podcast. Uh, fifth edition of our Red Leg Nation podcast. I'm glad you could join it. hope you're subscribing via iTunes or via the website at redlegnation.com. We're going to have a lot of exciting things coming up with this podcast, we hope, over the coming season. So I hope you'll stay tuned. And as always, send any comments you have to chad at redlegnation.com. Uh, we'll, hopefully, if you have any questions, we'll answer those in a future edition of the podcast. Either way, be sure to give us your feedback on what you think. We have this week a second, the second part of our interview with Matt Klinker, one of our Red Leg Nation Spotlight players. If you'll go to redlegnation.com and notice on the left side, in the left sidebar there, we have some links to some information about Matt Klinker. He's a single-A pitcher in the Reds organization. He was drafted last year out of Furman University. In episode three of the podcast, we had the first part of our interview with uh, young Mr. Klinker. Uh, Bill Lack of redlegnation.com, one of our editors with sat down with, with Matt and had a, really an enjoyable interview. The second part of this interview is even better in my mind. I hope you'll take a listen to that later on in this podcast after we talk about a couple of other issues. Okay, what's on the mind of Cincinnati Reds fans this week? Well, we got opening day coming up next week, um, March 31st. I'm going to be there at opening day, fifth straight year for me, but I always end up going there and they have the list on the scoreboard of the people that have been making consecutive trips to opening day and there's always somebody that's been there 71 years or something which makes me feel like my little five-year streak isn't that good but it's five years i'm proud of it uh, i feel for what it's worth um, i do enjoy going to open day every year it's just it's a festival it's a really exciting time i agree with some of the people on the website who made some comments about how there's maybe some fans there who aren't as serious about the reds as some of us that maybe don't are there for the atmosphere and the pageantry and the drama but there's also a good number of fans uh, like you and I who are obsessed with this team for who knows whatever reason and uh, enjoy seeing all that pageantry associated with our favorite ball club Cincinnati Reds. Now as we go towards opening day here there have been a couple of fairly interesting roster moves that I wanted to touch on very briefly. First of all the first of course is Jay Bruce stud center fielder center field prospect number one prospect in all of baseball by most scouting services he was sent down to triple a louisville recently a lot of us had hoped that jay bruce would start the year as the opening day center fielder for the reds 
Um, things haven't quite worked out like that. And, you know, as I said at redlegnation.com, I really can't argue too much with Bruce being sent down to AAA to start the season. Um, now, if he's down uh, in AAA at the end of this season, uh, there's going to be some issues with the way he's being handled, I think. But at this point, he's not had that many at-bats in AAA. I don't have a real problem with sending him down uh, for a couple of months or whatever. Let him get his feet uh, wet in AAA a little bit more there, and then bring him up a little bit later in the season. Now, that said, the problem with this roster move, moving Bruce down, is that we're going to be stuck with Corey Patterson as a center fielder on opening day and until Bruce gets back in the majors, really. And again, having Corey Patterson as a center fielder, I could live with that if the guy were batting eighth or ninth even. I think I'd let uh, even Harangue bat ahead of him. But the problem is his sub-300 on-base percentage is going to be hitting in the leadoff spot for Dusty Baker. And that's a real problem in terms of creating runs for this team. I know Dusty doesn't like high on-base guys at the top of the order. Um at least it's not as important to him as uh, maybe it should be. It hasn't been in the past. Um, but, you know, Corey Patterson is fast, so I guess that's good enough. It's not good enough for me. I, I think it's a disaster that Corey Patterson will be leading off um, for the Reds. I would much rather even see if, if Bruce has to be sent to AAA. And, again, I can accept that. Uh, but if the decision is made that Bruce needs to be sent to AAA, then I'd much rather see a, a, some sort of a platoon involving Norris Hopper or Ryan Frill or a lot of people would chime in and say Josh Hamilton. Um, I love Josh Hamilton, one of my favorite Reds. but will probably be one of my favorite Reds of all time when it's all said and done, even though we only had him for a year. He just really carried himself remarkably and, and had such a great year. But I'm very pleased with the young man that we got in return in the trade for Josh Hamilton, who, of course, is Edinson Volquez, who's going to be starting the year in the rotation. And that's a pretty good segue to start talking about the other uh, topic, which is Homer Bailey, uh, the superstar pitching prospect for the Reds. He's kind of been passed up this spring a little bit by a couple of young pitchers, uh, Johnny Cueto and Edinson Volquez, who have, it appears, made the opening day rotation for the Reds, uh, which is, uh, again, that's remarkable. Nobody really expected that. Um, maybe some people expected Volquez to make it. He's you know, reputed to be a little bit... Uh, closer to being ready for the majors, but uh, they've both just wowed this spring, and uh, I'm really pleased to see both of them in the starting rotation on opening day. Now, um, they'll join, of course, Aaron Harang, the underrated, unknown stud ace of the staff, um, obviously a Red Leg Nation favorite, big fans of Aaron Harang. And also, Bronson Roy will be the number two starter. And so you back those up with the two young guys who have really potential to be number one or number two starters themselves uh, down the road. Maybe not this year. Young pitchers are going to be inconsistent. Young pitchers are not going to be um, great all the time. But these guys have a chance really to be top-notch, top-of-the-rotation type starters. And then, of course, Josh Fogg will fill out the rotation. And he's basically, that's what he is, rotation filler. Um, He won't kill you and he's not going to help you he's never had a season in his career where he's been above average but uh, you know what you're getting with him as a fifth starter you know i can live with it uh, in the meantime frankly i'd rather be matt belisle who i think is poised to have really a breakout year this year um, or homer bailey's who i was hoping it would be coming into the spring now bailey's not uh, not earned the spot and it's another situation where he's been sent to triple a after i had hoped he'd be uh, on the roster on opening day and i yeah, I don't really have a problem with him being sent down. He's got some issues he needs to work on. His control, number one. Um, reports that we're hearing indicate that there were some 
maybe accusations or rumors or allegations of an attitude problem that seems to be maybe more overblown um, than uh, than anything. I don't, I don't. The people that I talk to really don't say that that's a legitimate issue, but his control certainly is, and that's something he's going to have to go to AAA and work on, no question about it. So, what I would love to see optimally, Jay Bruce, Homer Bailey, both go to AAA. Uh, really work on what they need to work on, get prepared, be up uh, in Cincinnati by May 1st, ready to really help lead a pennant race down the stretch in Cincinnati. I just hope we don't have Corey Patterson leading off uh, with his you know, on-base percentage worse than what I could do. Uh, and clearly that's not true. I couldn't even get as good as him probably when I was in Little League. But um, but I'm afraid that, that we're going to have to come off, get off to a really rough start and uh, the panic button's going to be pushed and who knows what will happen at that time. Uh, Homer Bailey getting traded or – what have you so but it's, it's an exciting year for the reds i'm uh, i'm just really ready to get it going i've always got my um pete rose colored glasses i guess is what we call it at red leg nation uh, at this time of the year i've always got them on i'm always uh, sort of optimistic and i'm not generally an optimistic uh, person necessarily by nature but uh, this time of year i'm always optimistic it seems like and this year i think there's good reason to be optimistic there's some really good talent um young talent in the uh, organization there is we got the new manager Dusty Baker who I'm not enthralled with but I'm willing to give him a, a chance and he said some really really dumb things so far but on the other hand he's also um, basically given starting spots to Edinson Volquez and to Johnny Cueto and the other you know, two young guys and that sort of goes against his reputation as not really being the type of manager who would um, give a young guy a chance so you got to give him the benefit of the doubt here I, I think that he's really uh trying to put together the best team possible. His hands may have been tied with Bruce with respect to, well, he he, he got Patterson signed, which makes you wonder. But on the other hand, I'm sure the Reds wouldn't mind waiting a couple months, letting uh, the uh, arbitration clock start a little bit later on. Jay Bruce um, give up a couple months of this year for maybe a full year at his age 27 season or whatever, however the math works out on that. So, again, that's, that's legitimate. If we get to September and Jay Bruce is tearing up AAA and Corey Patterson's leading off in the majors, uh, I think we've got a serious issue. But I don't I don't expect that to happen. Uh, for all the problems that we're going to have with Dusty Baker this year, I'm, I'm feeling more confident about uh, whether he's going to let uh, the old guys play over the young guys. Uh, and... and in that vein, I mentioned uh, the, the starting pitchers, but you know you got to look at Joey Votto, who's had a terrible spring, frankly, but who Baker hasn't given up on, and uh, it looks like Baker wants him to win a starting spot over a veteran, Scott Hatterberg, who has been a wonderful Red, one of our favorites, also a Red Nation. But uh, you know that would seem to be a, a situation where, based upon his reputation, Baker would have already said, you know, Votto, you're out. Um, Hatterberg's my starter, so. So I'm optimistic about Dusty as well. He's had some success. He's done some silly things in the past, and he's going to do some silly things for the Reds. But I'm optimistic that maybe he's not going to be uh, as bad as what some people fear, even though I'm afraid he probably won't be as good as what some other people hope. So, But somewhere in the middle will be better than what we've had recently, if nothing else. Um, I'm hopeful that we can look back on Dusty's tenure whenever it ends and say, gosh, well, at least he wasn't uh, Ray Knight or uh, Bob Boone uh, when it comes to managing. So, anyway, let's get on to the second part of the interview with Matt Klinker. Again, Matt Klinker, one of our spotlight players at Red Leg Nation. Um, this interview was conducted by one of our editors, Bill Lack, uh, recently. Uh, again, part one was broadcast in Red Leg Nation Radio, episode three. Be sure to download that as well. And again, subscribe via iTunes or via your RSS feed, uh, RSS reader. Be sure to subscribe to the to the podcast. 
Um, get it on your iPod MP3 player, listen to it wherever you go. Because heaven knows, you know, what would you rather be listening to when you're out and about than, than me? Okay, don't answer that. Here's Bill with Matt Clinker. Okay, tell us, tell us what you did to, to stay in shape and to get the arm in shape and get your weight at the right thing during the off season. Uh, they, you know, definitely the strength and strength training guys uh, put a nice little package together about what you should be eating, what you should be doing. Um, I had to, I had to skip on the running uh, a little bit. They wanted you to run, I think, five times a day, five times a week doing cardio, and I just wasn't able to hold the weight on. Um, because I do have a pretty good metabolism. Um, so I, I cut the running down. I kept the lifting the same. Um, but I'm still hitting. Uh, we have a time two mile once we get there. I'm, I'm still meeting that fine. Uh, so I did have to alter the workouts just a little bit. Um, I hope it doesn't make me look I'm lazy because I cut out a little running. Um, but it was. I think my, my weight was definitely a little more important than the, the pounding on my knees and, and ankles due to the running. Um, and then for throwing, I've been giving lessons at uh, Champions Baseball Academy here in Cincinnati, and they've been gracious enough to uh, let me throw and have a pitching lane whenever I need it. So uh, my dad, uh, being the 52-year-old um, that he is, he still throws with me. Um, he does have catching equipment when I, when I want to let it go, but uh, Tony McConney, who, who was my catcher at Furman, He's been back in Cincinnati. Uh, he signed free agent with the Mets, um, so he's been catching me whenever I, I, I need to uh, get my velocity up there. So um, nice little nice little off season workout plan that I've been on. We talked about you know you talked about maybe relieving in Sarasota, starting in, as a starter in Dayton. When you're going into spring training, do you have goals set? I do. Um, it's funny that we talk about goals. I was at a camp the other day, uh, and Dave Collins, uh, he was there and, and spoke to the campers about, you know, we should all have goals, and we should all have a specific goal in mind, and he challenged every all the campers to, to double that goal because you can reach any expectations uh, that even are beyond your imagination. So, I mean, I definitely have goals. Uh, as soon as I got drafted, my, my goal was to move up one level every year. Um, you know, after after working out with Steve Kelly, I mean, he's been in the minors for seven years and hadn't been able to crack, uh, you know, the major league roster. So, I mean, my definitely one of my other goals is by the time I'm done, you know, make it make it to the show, whether it's a cup of coffee or uh, a, a long-term career there. Um, but... For this year, it's definitely, um, you know, develop my curveball, have three solid pitches I can go to in whatever count, um, and, and make it up, whether I start out in Dayton, um, I, know, I know the Reds like to do have guys at least go half a season um, at one location, whether I start in Dayton or Sarasota, um, it is to get promoted somewhere throughout the season, so start in Dayton, make it to at least Sarasota, if I start in Sarasota, uh, at least get a shot in Chattanooga. So, yeah, one of the things that, that, that those of us that study the Reds organization is they seem to promote slower than other teams that, that we we've noticed. Uh, they team seem to to keep guys at levels long after they've proven themselves. At least to guys that aren't in inside baseball. Sure. Uh, 
last year Valleca and, and, and a couple of the other guys that went up that did finally go up seemed like the, you know they were here mm-hmm. at least a month maybe two months longer than they really needed to be Yanish went up early mm-hmm. but other than him it, it, they do seem to promote slowly oh, and I mean, even more so with pitchers and I mean just like Vado I mean the the call for him to be called up from the fans was long before he eventually made it up and uh, I mean, it's hard for the front office uh, to especially to the majors, uh, to call them up just because their major league clock starts um, for payment-wise. As far as in the minors calling guys up, uh, I definitely don't think it has to do with, you know, the cost of promoting a guy. Um, You know, that's minimal compared to the development that he'll receive at the next level. Um, So I don't think that would be an issue. I think the Reds like to promote, you know, as a team, which I think is a, a great um, a great thing to do as an organization, you know, promote um, whether whether it's maybe your pitching staff together or your your hitters um, or maybe a core group of guys. Um, I think that you'll see um, a lot of the guys from Dayton. Maybe it might not be the whole team, but uh, a lot of the guys from Dayton last season they'll make their way up through the minors um, together just because that's a, a great core group of guys. Um, definitely noted by their outstanding record last year. Um, tell me the best thing about playing in the minor leagues. Best thing about playing in the minor leagues? You get to take free stuff, uh, which you couldn't do in college, which is awesome. I got a couple gloves this off season. Um, I have an agent now. Uh, so there's definitely some perks about being outside the NCAA's, uh, the long arm of the NCAA's uh, reach um but uh some other good things about being a minor leaguer uh people will pay you to give pitching instructions which is wonderful um and i mean you're 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 playing a game for and getting paid to do it i don't know if you can beat that um and and, you know it's not it's not glamorous but people are still you know a lot of people don't understand that you, you, you're on the grind. You play professional baseball? Yeah, I do. I, I have a baseball card. How about that? Um, and and it, it, as, as Bill points to mine on the shelf, um, which is special. I mean, it's every boy's dream um, to play professional baseball and to actually be doing it. Um, you know, it's something that even though it's not as glamorous as you one day thought it was, um, you know, it's definitely something you don't want to take for granted. Or as glamorous as you hope it becomes. Exactly. <laughs> What's the worst thing about playing in the minor leagues? You don't get paid a whole lot. Um, that's that's not good. Another thing is, is just the travel. Um, you know, like this off season. Where I mean, it, it was hard. Where was I supposed to live? I mean, uh, am I supposed to sublease a place on my own? Or uh, you know, I ended up living with my mom and dad, which was which was great at times and was uh you know i wish i was out of there at times but um it, just the the two kind of lifestyles you lead one off season one in season um yeah I, i'm itching to get down to florida just uh to get back in the in season lifestyle I, I can't wait um but besides the pay uh you know there there's not much else that's a bad racket about playing minor league baseball Let's talk about 
illegal st supplements and steroids and that kind of thing for a minute. That's I mean, we're all, we're all pretty tired of hearing about it. But, but how much information does the team give you on what you can use and what you can't, sure. what's okay and what isn't, and that kind of thing? Well, the team definitely gives you the, uh, the standard major league packet about what is legal and what's not legal. Um, and then they give you, they bring in a speaker, um, both in spring training and, uh, or I've heard in spring training, and then we definitely had a speaker out in Billings about what was illegal and keep your body in shape without using these substances. Um, you know, basically, they did what they had to do. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't really explain too much. The paper the paper outlined everything, but you know, can you really count on minor league baseball players to read through the paperwork they give you, or just toss it in their locker? Um, but on the other hand, you know, the big issue I think with the whole uh, performance enhancing drugs. And the players are getting cast in a very negative shadow, and um, you know the, some of the sports writers are just now catching on that you know maybe the clubs, maybe the owners uh, have a little more responsibility to to take. Um, and I, I I think that's a really good point because I mean the baseball players union is maybe one of the strongest unions in the world. Whether they're just gonna say okay test us. Um, I doubt that's going to happen. And owners, I mean, you can't tell me that they don't like home runs and fast, big baseball play. I mean, he, yeah, that was the talk. I mean, during the Sosa McGuire thing, yeah. you know, I mean, they acted like they were, you know, they didn't know what was going on. Exactly. So um, I definitely think there has to be. Um, I don't think, you know, it's going to have to be negotiated, and I don't think there's going to be a work stoppage for it. And the owners aren't that far, you know, they're not pushing it that hard. The players' union's not going to just submit to it. Um, so I definitely think it's going to have to do with, you know, Congress is going to have to, you know, hand it down and make it mandatory, which um, I think it's going to have to come to that. Um, and I think that's sad, but um, I, I, I want to run a clean game. Um, I think that's the only way that we can do it. Have you seen any instances of, of illegal substances in college or, or in, in the minors in your career so far? Never, never seen it. Um, in college, I don't think too many guys at Furman were uh, were worried about getting huge um, and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. They were more worried about their bio, biology exam. Um, and in pros, I mean, you definitely see some guys on the opposing team, maybe even in your own clubhouse, who are huge, and you're like, man, is that natural? Um, but I've always been a pretty trustworthy guy, or trusting guy, and, and until I see somebody injecting it or swallowing some weird pills, I'm not going to say, oh, I wonder, you know, I'm just good for him. He worked hard. Do you think that the, the players, and I'm... And I'm talking about minor league guys now. Do you think some of them will just say, "Well, it's worth the risk to get me up to that level that you know, to help me make the majors"? It's worth the risk of maybe getting caught. Sure. I mean, there's guys who hack around the minors. Um, like we said, you don't make a lot of money, but then I, you know it, they try to sell it off as, "Well, uh, I'm just living my dream." Well, I mean, when you're 30 years old and you haven't made it above Double A. And, you know, but that's the only thing they have to do. That's the only thing they know how to do. So you can't knock them for that. 
Um, so you kind of turn, you know, they'll do anything they can to, to move up. Um, and, I mean, the money, the money at the major league level is crazy. Um, that's the biggest motivation uh, you can provide. Is um, so I can't I can't knock on a player for using HGH. I mean it's undetectable. I mean if I didn't have two wits about me, I I might go out and do it. But um, I think it's definitely something that we have to get under control um, as a sport because uh, I mean. The, the negative shadow that the Pettit and the Clemens and the Mitchell report has cast is is not not been a pretty one. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see attendance go down this year. If it was up to you, how would you handle something like say Barry Bonds breaking a home run record? That is that's the million dollar question. I think um, you know it came out. I think uh, when I was watching the Clemens thing on TV that. There was actually a positive test for Barry Bonds, um, so I mean, with the positive test, that that now you have some physical hard evidence why maybe there should be an asterisk by his record, or maybe maybe we need to reevaluate what numbers should be counted. Um, but I think the the real hard question is, well, let's see Clemens. His name's he's been fingered in the Mitchell report. Well, what what does that mean? Um, does that mean he doesn't get elected to the Hall of Fame like Mark McGuire. I mean, who would have said, was it 97, 98 when Mark McGuire broke it? Who would have thought in 10 years his name would be tainted and he wouldn't be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I mean, the, the The penalty for, for getting caught in the minors is a 50-game suspension, I believe. Uh, is second second time? If it's, a, if it's a street drug, it's a slap on the wrist. It's a, like a $50 fine and you have to go to a, an awareness class. If it's a performance-enhancing drug, I think it's a 50-game suspension. You think that's fair? I think that's more than fair. I think that's, I think that's lenient. Um, there's been so much talk about it. I think it should be a year suspension right out the get-go. Um, you say the tougher. You think the tougher the penalty, the the more, the less likely it would be for somebody to take the shortcut. Exactly. Let's get off that serious okay. stuff for a minute. Let's talk about your teammates last year in Billings. Give me a couple of names, or as many as you want to give. Okay. About guys that are that are under the radar that maybe nobody that, that doesn't study the minor league numbers. Okay. That they might be surprised about when they hear their names this year for playing in Dayton or Sarasota or wherever. All right. Biggest name right now under the radar. He was my roommate last year on the road. His name is Danny Safiro. He is about six foot one or two. He played at a Division three college. He signed a free agent contract. Um, I think he struggled in his first outings out in Billings just because <laughs> the situation was so much bigger than he could even fathom that he would be playing professional baseball coming from a Division three college. But then he turned out to just to shove and pitch great. Um, so it, even if he struggles wherever he's at, just him making it's a, a great accomplishment. Um, and he was a great guy last year to room with, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, if he turned some heads. Uh, and then anyone who read my blog last year, probably sick of hearing his name, but Brandon Waring. I know he was a fifth round pick or seventh fifth or seventh round pick, and 
even even if everyone's heard his name already, I think he's still under the radar. He's that good. Um, if he brings his fielding up just a little bit, the sky's the limit. Um, other pitchers, uh, we had a, a guy named uh, Drew Bowman. He's from Nebraska. He's a 6'5 lefty, touches 91-92. Um, if he gets his mechanics consistent, sky's the limit. Um, obviously, Todd Frazier, supplemental first-round pick. Unbelievable athlete. He can drop some major bombs as people who went to Dayton last year can see. Think he'll stay shortstop? Uh, I could see him moving to third, moving to second. Um, I don't think he's your prototypical shortstop, but I don't think that means he can't play there. Um, he's quick enough to play the outfield, even though we're stacked in the outfield right now as an organization. Um, he can play anywhere. He's that athletic. Waring. Waring, he strikes out a lot, though, doesn't he? Strikes out a lot. He does. He does do that. But when he puts the bat on the ball, it's a, it's a, it's a double or a home run. <laughs> Anybody else from, from Billings you want to uh, give some... Props to Scott Carroll. Uh, he was a third, second or third round pick. Uh, great split finger fastball. Um, throws a hard, really heavy ball. He could definitely turn some heads. Um, I'm not sure if he's under the radar or not, um, but he he's a good pickup. Scott Gaffney was a tenth round pick from Penn State. Uh, we used him a lot in the closer role. He struggled last year a little bit. Had a couple blown saves, but really good slider. Um, he'll he'll turn some heads as well, um, and then we have a guy who um, we got to see all of our scouting reports last year uh, after we got picked, and when we were out in Billings. And his name's Joseph Krebs. He's uh, probably about five eleven, six foot tall, lefty from Texas. Throws about eighty eight, and uh, he just gets people out. He can pitch to one batter. He can pitch eight innings out of the bullpen. Um, he just has that Texas uh, attitude of, I'm a winner. Um, and his, his, his scouting report was basically, no upside, you, what you see is what you get, which normally you don't get a lot of draft picks with their scouting report that says that. But uh, he just laughs about that. And... Uh, he 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 might be a left-handed specialist for us someday in, with the big team. You talk about you know wanting to get to the show, whether it be for a cup of coffee or mm -hmm. whatever. How confident are you that you'll that you'll make it? Um, if you had to put a percentage on it, I a hundred percent. All right. Do you? Do you plan on playing as long as you can, or have you set yourself a timeline? You know, I think the the last question and this question definitely go right right with each other. Um, when I got drafted, being that I have a degree, my automatic, you know, realization is, you know, I can make a lot more money. You know, uh, you know, I had some good job offers out of college. You know, if I if I go take one of those jobs, I can make a lot more money. And you know, even after the season ended, I was kind of like, you know, how long am I going to give myself? Um, but then, you know, working with Steve Kelly, uh, I'm probably sick of hearing his name by now, but, um, you know, it's just been apparent to me that you have to buy into it. You have to buy into yourself making it, um, and you can't let anything get in your way. And not yourself, not anybody else, not what anybody thinks. 
Um, and so as long as I'm moving up and I'm healthy, it, you know, I'll stay in as long as I, I I have a legitimate shot of making it. Sounds to me like you think that if you, if you establish some type of timeline, you're really limiting yourself. Exactly, exactly. So what you'll probably do, and, and don't let me speak for you, but at the end of every season you'll look at, and say, yeah, I had a good year, you know, I, I got a chance to move up again next year. And well, when I, when I got done with last season, I was like, you know what, next season, I think there will definitely be a definitive, after the season's over, there will be a definitive saying, well, you know, I need to hang it up or, 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 or no, this is, this is legitimate. Uh, you know, Steve's kind of talked me, you know, you, you can't think like that. He's like, you, you either have to be hell-bent to do it or enjoy your time and kind of just think of this as a joy ride. Um, so, you know, I've come to the point where I'm hell-bent to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm all in. All my chips are on. I mean, this is it, and whatever the cost is, that's fine. Um, and I'll, I'll cross the, the bridge of going into the corporate world when that comes, but don't want to face that yet. You're young. It's an exciting time for your exactly. life. Your life. I mean, you're getting a chance to do something that, that most of us, most young men in, in this country, dream about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and yeah, don't want to don't want to limit myself. Um, I, I think those those job offers will still be there, whether I'm a you know a recent college graduate or a 26 year old with some minor league baseball experience. So, all right. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I wanted to kind of talk about the contract extensions for the for the players. Um, okay. You know, I wanted to see what what Red Legs Nation thought about uh, you know Harang, Arroyo, and, and Dunn coming. You know, we got them for this year, but how about after that? What do you, What do you think? Well, Harang and, and Arroyo signed extensions. They're into two. 2011 and 2010. This is Dunn's last year. I won't speak for all the editors at Red Leg Nation, (laughs) but I can probably speak for 95% of them that we think the Reds ought to get a deal done with with Dunn because this is probably the last year they're going to have Griffey. Mm -hmm. I can't believe they're going to keep Griffey after 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 2008. But uh, but then you'll still have Jay Bruce and Friel if he stays healthy. He's shown that he can't stay healthy. That's true. He's, He's balls to the wall. But he's—I don't believe—I've never believed that Friel was an everyday outfielder. But and and I don't know, and I don't know. Like at least I can't think of the top of my head is who the next good outfielder is in this young outfielder is in this organization. Stubbs. I'm I I am not sold on Drew Stubbs. <laughs> he he looks like he's got a big loop and swing to me. You know the Reds organization would probably tell you Chris Dickerson. Sure. I'm not convinced that Chris, you know, I think Chris Dickerson's a fourth outfielder. But, you know, what do I know? Yeah. Um, I got what some, do you think? Got I some, mean, you're a Reds fan. I am a Reds fan. That's been the hardest thing is, uh, you know, I've been thinking about, well, you know, most most major leaguers don't make it with the team that drafts them. So what happens if, let's say, I get my, my trade stock up and, you know, the best move for the Reds is to get rid of me. You know, I, I, I've kind of had to... Uh, Pull myself away and become a little more le- or a little less personal about matters. Um, 
And plus, you know, I can't, I can't really. It's hard as an employee to say your your management is doing a bad job. Um, so you know, I basically have faith that the organization is doing the the best they can, making the right moves. Um, I think I think there's a lot of young talent um, that that it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, you know, Vado, whether he or Hadelberg split time, how much, what's the proportion of the playing time? Um, Homer, what's he going to do this season? Um, I can't even believe that they were they were mentioning his name and in, in trade rumors, um, saying seeing that he has you know the largest signing bonus in Reds history. Um, we've sunk so much into him, but uh, you know, a- after last year and being the uh, minor leaguer of the year, it's hard to say that his stock is going to get any better. But you know, maybe a Cy Young, then it's better. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, there, there's there's some good talent at the top of the Reds organization, and there's some good talent at the bottom, and, and in the middle right now, there's a little bit of a, a gap. Mm-hmm. I don't think right now there's a whole lot of talent at Chattanooga, mm-hmm. uh, but that some of the stuff from Sarasota last year, I think you know the guys that were in Dayton two years ago, sure. or even some of the guys that moved up in the middle part of last year. Uh, you know, can Valeka continue to, to hit as he moves up? I think I, I'm not sure where he'll start the season. Well, and then I hear and Turner, uh, you know, Waring was in uh, instructs instructional ball in the fall and. He said there there were some some guys that were doing really well. Logan Parker was down there and a, a spotlight player. Yeah, Logan. Yeah, he's still working on his. He's still recovering from the shoulder the shoulder injury that he that he hurt in the playoffs last year. So, Logan's um, one of our guys. He's a, a great guy. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, Cal Jones, uh, who was out in Billings, uh, moved up to Dayton. It, I, I'm, you know, it'll be fun seeing him. See where he gets uh, you know, where he breaks camp. Uh, I would say Dayton probably, um, uh, but uh, it, it'll be. Int- I, I can't wait to see where, where the the Billings team breaks camp um, from last year because uh, we we have the best record ever for a Billings mm-hmm. team. I know they won it the year before, uh, but we, I think we did have some talent. Um, it's going to be fun going down next Friday. I can't wait to see some of the guys. Um, uh, Frenchie, uh, we call uh, Philippe Valiquet, um from Montreal. Uh, it'll be good seeing him. He, he was a good friend last year during BP, catching balls in the outfield with him. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to be down there. If I had to ask you where you're going to start the season, what would you say? Dayton. Have you ever been to a game at Dayton? I've been to a game at Dayton. So you uh, know the atmosphere. I know the atmosphere. Uh, I played uh, summer ball with uh, Donnie Scott's son when I was growing up, who's in the Red Reds organization it's now. At Dayton. Exactly. Um, his his son uh, was a catcher, first baseman, and a switch hitter. I think he played in the GCL last year. Not sure. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but uh, his name is David Scott. Uh, got it out there finally. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely been up to a Dragons game. Uh, I'm sure if I, I break camp there, I'll have a an extra page on the pass list for all my family and friends to uh, come watch me when I pitch. So 
It's a wonderful place for, to, to watch a movie. It is. It definitely is. We're, we're blessed in the organization to have that um, to have that location. Anything else you wanted to talk about? That's it. Um, I'm good. I can't wait to see Griffey break 600 um, and to see if he has another three, uh, a 30 home run season. Um, I don't think there's any doubt if he can stay healthy, he'd hit 30. I mean, the question oh, yeah. with, with Junior is always, can he stay healthy? Which I I think that uh, the mystery of King Griffey Jr. goes up there with the mystery of who shot JFK is how in the world every year uh, it, it's something else. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a, a nagging hamstring every season or uh, a blown knee. It, it was something else. And um, I, good for him to stay strong and try to come back every year. I don't know if I would have the. Uh, mental fortitude to do that. Yeah, he's definitely been snake bit since he came over yeah. to the Reds. Well, Matt, we want to thank you for your time, and we want to tell you good luck in spring training, and we're looking forward to hearing more from you on Red Leg Nation this year. We're proud to have you as one of our spotlight players, and we hope to talk to you again soon. I do appreciate it. All righty. Go Reds. Go Reds, indeed. Thanks again, Matt, for your uh, taking some time out for us as you're getting ready to start your first full season of professional baseball, really, in a lot of ways, ever since you were just drafted last year. Matt's going to be in Billings this year. We're hoping for lots of success for him uh, out of the bullpen there in Billings and, and a quick road to Cincinnati. We'd love to see him in Cincinnati very, very soon. He's a great young kid, as I think you can tell from these interviews that we've had with him, uh, and we wish him nothing but the best of luck. Okay, that's all for the Red Leg Nation radio podcast for this week. Again, I'm Chad Dotson, your host and moderator. We hope coming up in a few days we're going to try to be putting together a podcast roundtable on what uh, the Red Leg Nation editors expect from the upcoming season. I think it's going to be enjoyable. If you have any specific questions or any topics you'd like us to tackle, um, we'd be happy to do that. Again, send me, send me an email off at uh, chad at redlegnation.com. We'll uh, get back to you as soon as possible. Maybe use your question uh, on a future episode of the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. Well, I'll end it the same way that uh, Matt Clinker did uh, with opening day upon us. Go Reds! Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. 
Save